Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you, and God bless. Reverend Ruben E. Izemado and his wife, beautiful wife. God bless you, sir, and God bless you, man. Uh, Pastor Ruben Izemado is actually the father of one of our members, Joshua Izemado. Praise God. Amen. Before I bring him up, I'm going to tell you a little bit. He's done so many things, especially in the ministry. Reverend uh, Izemado is the founding director of the Christian Missionary Foundation Incorporation. He serves as the, as the continental coordinator of the Movement for African Nation Initiatives, MANI. He is also a co-founder of Development Associates International, DAI. His contribution to the development of the missionary movement in Nigeria and beyond has earned him several awards from different organizations such as the Wesley, Wesley International Theological Seminary, and the World Link University. He has also authored several books and contributed several articles. Reverend Ezemado is married with four children. Let's give God a clap offering as we bring our Father in the Lord up. Thank you, sir. That's right. God bless you, sir. Thank you. She forgot to add that I'm the father and she is the mother of Joshua Ezemado, who is here. I think that's very, very important. And that's the link we have with this church. Thank you very much. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to know you and also to live in a time like this. When the scriptures are being fulfilled, And we are seeing the signs of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ happening in our days and in our time. Thank you, Lord, because you have something in mind. By the time you sent your son Jesus to come into this world, to die in our place. And it is for that purpose that you have left the church here. So that we will fulfill that desire of your heart that no man will perish. I pray, Lord, that this time... Even as we have prayed from the beginning, you will open our hearts to receive from you. And Lord, that you will also stir us up by the things that stir you up, especially, Lord, as you are doing your work in these days of your power. That we wake up from our complacency and we will walk with you as you walk in your word to bring this world to closure. Glory be to you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit. Because you are here to minister to your people. Thank you for that word of assurance you have given to us that you love us. And may this love also move us to love the world that you love so much. That we will also do our own part to bring glory to your holy name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. You may have your seat. Uh, First of all, I want to thank God for you for the encouragement you have given to our children, Joshua and Vanessa, and especially to Pastor Jide, because um, 
he had come to visit me in Ibadan the last time he was in Nigeria. And, um, and I thank you also for the support you have been giving to our children as they try to settle down as married couple. By the way, Joshua is our baby. He is the last of the four children that God blessed us with. Praise the Lord. You can imagine then how happy we are to come and spend this time with him and with Vanessa and our granddaughter this time around. Praise the Lord. Yeah, um, the Lord has led in my heart to strengthen the things that we're already doing. In fact, my heart rejoiced this morning as I hear the way you pray and the focus that you have. Because the prayers, the worship, and everything that goes on here, they, they are the things that the church should be doing. And they are also the things that concern God at this time around. Being sensitive to what God, the Spirit of God is doing, and then understanding the importance of our being here. And that is why what I titled this topic is the imperativeness of outreach and evangelism. Because we need to understand why we are believers. Why we are as a church still on the earth today. Because God has a, pra- a plan and a program. And he's carrying out carrying them out according to his predetermined uh, dispositions. And we have to understand the times and the seasons in which we are. Otherwise, we just live like people who do not know where they are going. And that's why it's very important for us to, to take a deep thought again about why Jesus came. From the passage we read, that is John chapter 4, verses 27 to 42, there are things that came out there which I'm going to amplify as we go through some of the things that are put on the slides. From the passage, we could deduct the following. One, that God has a purpose. God has a purpose, and we have to understand that purpose and identify with it. Because that was what Jesus demonstrated. Why there were so many things that were bothering people and so many people were interested in, Jesus said that he had a purpose why he came. And he said that that purpose was to do the will of him who sent him and to finish his work. Again, he also demonstrated to us the kingdom priority, that God also has a priority. You know, many of us have things that are very much important to us. In this context, it was said that they were hungry, disciples had gone to look for food, but by the time they brought the food, Jesus was no longer interested in the food. And they started asking questions. They they started saying things like this. Maybe somebody has given him food to eat. And he used that to declare what his priority is. He said, my food. First of all, he said, I have food to eat, which you don't know of. And that food 
is to do the will of his father. So that's the kingdom priority. That's the reason why he came. Then he also used that opportunity to bring out the sense of urgency that needs to be tied to what God's priority is. Because he said, you think that there still remain four months before the harvest. He said, all we need to do is just to lift up your eyes and look around, and you will see that the harvest is already ripe. So, that sense of urgency, and that's why it said, I have to do this work with that kind of, um, with that kind of sense of urgency. And then the other one, he talked about partnership. That the, this work has to be done in partnership. That is, he talked about the sowers and the reapers. And that is some of the things that we need to look at when we are considering our part in fulfilling this purpose for which he came. And so then he also implied some consequences if we do not wake up to this responsibility that has been put upon us. Because when you talk about harvest that is ripe, and then you say that we must, we must see the need to gather the harvest. Because if the harvest is ripe and you don't gather it, what happens? You lose it. And when the harvest is ripe, it means that it becomes very easy to gather the harvest. And that is what all the things that is implied there. And with that, I want us to first of all know that God was not playing game when he decided to send Jesus into the world. There was something that went wrong. Genesis chapter 3 made us understand that man lost his position with God. And that's how sin came into the world. And in verse 15, God promised that he was, he was going to send a virgin-born person. He talked about the seed of the woman that will bruise the head of the serpent. And then in verse 22, he, talked, he also showed us that, that, that he was going to do that through a substitutionary death. When he killed an innocent animal and used the skin to cover their nakedness. It was pointing to Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundation. So, and then when Jesus came on the scene, he announced his mission. He was very clear of why he came. In Luke chapter 19 verse 10, he said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And in the argument he had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he made it clear that where he came was to save. And, of course, the whole thing went through until he went to the cross. And he paid the price for our redemption. Which then forms the basis of the gospel, the goodness we have to preach. And I want us to understand why that was important, because he illustrated it by making reference to what happened in the wilderness. He said, as Moses lifted the serpent, and anyone that looked unto the serpent was saved, the same way the Son of Man is going to be lifted up, that anyone that looks up to him will be saved. 
And that's the good news. The gospel. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, he talked about coming to die. Giving his life so that we have life more abundantly. And he described how that happened. He said that he laid down his life for us. Talking about this death. And that becomes the good news we preach. That becomes what we will preach and people will believe and be saved. And so that is the reason. That was, that's the reason why Jesus came. And we have to understand it. Because if we don't have understanding, we don't have any message to preach to the world. And we don't have any reason, any basis to even, uh, to even think that we ourselves have been saved. Because Paul made clear in Romans chapter 10, he says that this is the gospel. This is the word of faith which we preach, which people will believe and be saved. If we believe in our hearts, that's where it starts. That God raised us from the dead and we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. And then the argument continues, which we'll be looking at. So that's the first thing I want, to, I want us to establish. That God was not playing game by sending Jesus into this world. And let me tell you, it's not only even to form the church. There was something greater than that. Why Jesus came is to save the whole of mankind. And then, when, when he was here, he demonstrated to us the need that the, he has come to do his own part. No other human being, not even a spirit, not even an angel was qualified to die for the sin of mankind except Jesus Christ. Take note of that. No other person could do that. He did it. And when he, he, when he finished, he said, it's finished. Praise the Lord. And then he now said, go and preach this gospel. And anyone that believes shall be saved. And he also made this declaration in John chapter 20, verse 21. He said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. What we know as the Great Commission. And this is very important because if we don't know that we have a part to play to complete that aspect of the mission of Jesus while we are here on earth, we will just be lazing about. By the way, there are three reasons why the church exists on the earth. The first one is worship, what we call upreach, the one that goes to God. Worship. And we have been doing it. We do it. But remember that it says that the greatest worship we can give to God is obedience. Obeying him. Whatever he commands us to do, we do it. Yeah. So as we worship, I know true worship will also bring the will of God to be done on earth as it is done in heaven. As Jesus taught us. True worship. And what is it that happens in heaven? The angels, the elders, all the beings in heaven, the saints triumphant, they all are involved in worshiping God and submitting to the will of God. And that is what, when we gather like this, that is what we also demonstrate. We worship God here on earth. We declare He's the Lord. Praise the Lord. But that is not the main reason why the church is still on the earth today. Because no matter how enjoyable our worship time is, 
you know, we have time to close and leave. Is it not so? I was looking at the clock. The time we had in that aspect of singing praises to God this morning was not more than 20 minutes. Is it not? But in heaven, it is done continuously. Praise the Lord. So, if it is worship, then we would have all been taken home. Then the second reason why the church exists on the earth is what is called enrich. That is ministering to one another. Fellowship. Koinonia. Building up one another. Helping one another to grow and begin to make their own contribution as people of God, as children of God. Like Paul said to the Ephesians. He said that the church, the body is perfectly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. To a defining of itself. And that is why after we have been built up for the work of the ministry. You understand that? So, and that's very, very interesting. They're ministering to the needs of one another. As it was in the early church. You know, they enjoyed colonial so much. And that, that became even a problem for them. Because when you get to Acts he said that they enjoyed that fellowship so much that they started quarreling about food sharing. Meeting the needs of people. When, when they lost a focus of the reason why the church is on it, they now began to see themselves on racial basis, on tribal basis, on color basis. And that was why Peter and Co. initiated something that was not the answer. Because they said that they chose seven men and asked them to be sharing food inside the church so that people will keep quiet. Why Peter and Co. continue with the ministry? But that, that was not the solution because we saw that God scattered them and they had to go and preach the gospel, including the people who were to be sharing food so that others will keep quiet. Yeah, because at that time, that's, that's what had been happening. You know, it happened with the descendants of Noah. When the Lord brought them out and gave them the same mandate he gave to Adam and Eve, he said, multiply, fill the earth, move, fill the earth. They said they got a place of ease, the plain of China, and they settled down, and they designed their own programs and their projects. Let me say this up front, brothers and sisters. The main reason why the church is still on the earth today is those outside the church. The other sheep. That's the only reason why the church is still here on earth today. It's not taking care of ourselves and ministering ourselves, building ourselves up here. And that is the state that if we venture in, then the devil's eyes and their, his wings will come up. He doesn't care what we are doing inside the church. The four walls of the church. In fact, for some of us, at Christianity begins and stops when we enter the four walls of the church. But it's not supposed to be so. It is out there. Outside the sanctuary. And that's what moves the devil. Because when Peter and Co. did that, it was like putting a cap on the spread of the gospel. Until God used persecution to force the cap open. And the people went outside the four walls of the church in Jerusalem. 
and started preaching the gospel everywhere. May it not happen to us. You know, the descendants of Noah, they did the same thing, and God had to scatter them. And what God is calling attention to today is that the work that still has to be done is ours. Thank God for what is happening, what we are doing inside. Yes, is building us, is to equip us for the work of the ministry. After all, in the seven days that we have in a week, how many days do we spend in the church? Maybe a few hours on Sunday, a few hours during our weekly activities. The rest of the hours and the days, where do we spend them? Out there. And that is where those people who have not heard the gospel, who need Jesus more, that's where they are found. And that is why, and that is the only thing that we cannot do when we get to heaven. Because fellowship, koinonia, we do it very much in heaven. Fact, when we get there, there will be no night, there no suffering. You understand that? It will be, there will be no need there. We won't be talking about uh, uh, mortgages and uh, rents. We'll not be talking about bad roads and all lack of supplies because everything is complete and sufficient for us when we get there. There will be no need there. But there's only one thing we cannot do when we get to heaven. That is outreach. Because there will be no sinners there. Do you understand that? So that's the only reason why the church is still here on earth today. And that's why we have to get our priority right. Because Jesus said, my priority is to do this work for which I came and to finish it. And not what we have made as our own priorities today. And then having said that, you know, you know in his prayer, in his valedictory prayer in um, John chapter 16, he made it clear. He told the Father, I said, I want you to keep them. I don't want you to remove them in the world now. Why? Because in verse 8, he said that because as you sent me, I'm going to send them. And he, talk, he prayed even about our ministry. He said, I'm not only praying for these ones, but I'm also praying for those who will come to know you through their witness. So he anticipated that while we are here, we'll be con- we will continue with the ministry. That's why he went ahead to pray for us. And so that was his major reason for leaving us here on earth. And then if this if evangelism and missions or outreach are the major reasons why the church is living on earth, I think we need to remind ourselves what it actually means. Because to some of us, we, have, we, we, we think it's a program. It's one of those programs that the church should be engaged in. And that's why we, at times we create a day of evangelism. Or we create a day of outreach. But what Jesus called us to be said that you will be witnesses for me. Where? Both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and uttermost part of the earth. And it has to be going on every time. Because at any time in your life, you are either at your Jerusalem context, or a Judea context, or a Samaria context, or if the Lord now flings you to the uttermost part of the earth. So it's not something that will just be a program. It is something 
that will be our lifestyle. And the other way he said it in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. You are also the salt of the earth. And they said, he said, let your light so shine before men. And he said that that light, we can't hide it. If you are the light, it means that everywhere you hide at time T, you must be shining for Jesus. You must be witnessing for Jesus. You must be talking, you must be reflecting the light of Jesus. It's not only when we come to programs. It's not only when we create a special time for it. It's something that should be, our light should be shining as light. Because light is light wherever it is. And that is the challenge that is before us that we have compartmentalized. This very important thing and we think that it is something that is also meant for some other people. Yeah, there are people who are called into the ministry of evangelism that every child of God is a witness. Do you understand? And that was why when Peter and co. arrogated to themselves the ministry of the world inside the church in Jerusalem. But the Bible said that the rest, when they scattered, everywhere they went, they did what? They preached the gospel. They were the ones witnessing. They were the ones now doing the work. And they were also very effective. The apostles remained in Jerusalem. They became the spectators. They will be the ones who were here. The gospel has got to this place. And they say, go and see. No wonder that the second church planted by those people who scattered, the ordinary people who scattered everywhere and were preaching the gospel, and they went to Antioch and preached the gospel. The Bible said that they were the first to be called Christians. And from there, the gospel went beyond Jerusalem and the other, uttermost part of the earth. And then the other thing I also want to call attention to is that that ministry that Paul, I mean Peter, arrogated to himself and then asked seven men full of the Holy Ghost, men of faith, men of power to do. You know, it ended in verse 7 of chapter 6. But from verse 8, Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, he started reaching out. Philip, full of the Holy Ghost, he went to Samaria. And from Samaria, the Holy Spirit was directing him. And he was going ministering, reaching out to people. And that's the ministry that the Lord is calling us to today. That wherever we are, we'll be witnesses for Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so, just the, the simple meaning of evangelism is to talk about Jesus. To tell the story of what he has done in our lives. To gossip him. In fact, there's a lot, a lot that we can talk about Jesus than the things we talk about today. That's it. Then if you talk of outreach, the outreach means taking it beyond our immediate vicinity. And we're going to see a few examples. Because I want to focus more on how we're going to do it. But we needed this particular uh, explanation. What evangelism is and what outreach is. But now talking about why it is important that we preach. Because Paul made us understand this in Romans chapter 10. After advancing this argument about how easy 
It seems for people to be saved if they can believe what Jesus has done for them and then they will confess with their mouth, they will be saved. And that is the gospel. Maybe to help you to understand further because at times most of the things we preach today are not the gospel. We are making prescriptions for people. If you do this, you will do this. That was what happened in John chapter 6. After the crowd had received the miracles, they came to Jesus. The first thing they asked, what work shall we do? Prescribe for us. How many times will I pray? How many lawyers will I shout? What clothes will I wear? Jesus said, there's no other work you will do than to do what? To believe. Because it is believing in what Jesus has done for us. That is the beginning of our salvation. Those who accepted only prescriptions, there's a limit to it. Do you understand? Because even the best of our righteousness is like a filthy rat. It cannot end our salvation. Then they turn to Jesus okay, what miracles will you do for us? Do you know there are many people who have received miracles and they are going to hell? Because what will take you to heaven is believing that Jesus died in your place. John chapter 3 verse 18, he said that anyone that believes is saved. But the one that, is not, that does not believe is already condemned. That is the gospel. Then he says, miracles. In his response to one of the, in one of the occasions, he told him, he said, there's no other miracle you will see. He said, the miracle of Jonah. What was the miracle of Jonah? That he was laid in the belly of fish for three days and he rose up again. That is his death and his resurrection. Then they told him, they said, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. Can you give us that manna? And he said, I'm, that, I'm the true manna that came from heaven. Except you eat my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not be saved. And that was where they said, ah, ah, are we cannibals? We can't do this. And they ran away. And to make sure, because Jesus wanted them to fulfill the legal requirements of being saved, he turned to the twelve. Will you also go away? What was Peter's response? Where are we going? We don't have any other alternative. Because we know you are Christ, the Son of God, and you have eternal life. We can't get eternal life anywhere else. And that's the gospel. Not this one talking about uh, many ways. There's no other way. The Bible says there's only one way. There's only one one way traffic. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through him. There are no many ways. You know, today, in being politically correct, many of us are compromising, trying to say that there are many ways. Like they were saying in Nigeria, there are many junctions. Many, from the junction, there are many roads. No. Jesus is the junction and the only way. Praise the Lord. Nobody, nobody can receive salvation on this earth if he didn't believe in him. And that's why Paul put it this way. Chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 from verse 13. When he said that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Then he went on to say, how can they 
call upon the name of the person they have not heard about? How can they hear or how can they believe or call if they have not heard? And how can they hear except somebody has preached to them? Do you see why it is important now that we must preach? We must witness this group. We must talk to people about Jesus. And every one of us has a duty to do it. Praise the Lord. And having laid that foundation, I think I will dwell more with the few minutes left on what we have to do. We're already doing it. I, I am so excited to hear and to witness what is already happening in this. So that we won't, we are, we, we, there was no shopping list. Our, own, our only shopping list. No, when Christians gather like this, the prayer request that comes is, bless me, bless my brother, bless my sister. We have already started doing what Jesus asked us to do. And what the Lord recommended in Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Ask me of the nations, and I will give them to you. This prayer we pray this morning for the believers in North Korea. And the work of God. That is part of our mission here. And those are the areas, four areas I want to talk about now to round up. The first thing is that we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus. That is our primary responsibility. Look at that Samaritan woman where we read. When she had that encounter with Jesus, the Bible said that she forgot the water she came to fetch. And she went to go and tell others about Jesus. Everyone of us supposed to do that. You no, know, when Jesus healed that, um, that man with, with uh, many demons, he said, Master, I will come and join the apostles. He said, go to your people and tell them. Go to your people and tell them. It's not just joining, the, it's, what we are talking about, it's not joining ministry. If you have encountered Jesus, then you have a responsibility to tell other people. Just like those seven slaves, I mean, I mean the, the four lepers, who found that God has delivered the children of Israel from the siege by driving the Syrians. When they discovered enjoyed, what did they do? They say we must go and tell others because if we don't do that, we are wicked. Which means that if we are not sharing the gospel, if we are not telling all people that thing that has made a difference in our own life. Because that's what that woman said. She said, come and see the man who had told me everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? Maybe why we are not talking is we have not had that encounter with Jesus. And if you have not had that encounter with Jesus, that will make you like that boy that was born blind in John chapter 9. And the, the people tried to confuse him. He said, anyway, one thing I knew is that I was blind. But now I can see. And this man is the one who made me to see. And when all the theologians, everybody tried to confuse him. He, said, he asked me, he said, do you want to follow him too? Remember, they tried to confuse me. One thing that I know is that once I was blind. But now, 
If you had that experience, nobody can shut off your mouth. Maybe why we are not talking about that is because we have not had that experience. And if there's anybody like this that you are coming, your name is in the register of the church and not in the register of heaven, today is an opportunity. Because that's exactly what is happening. The only way you can be a member of this church of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ, is that you, one day you have believed and that you, have, you are also convinced you have had the witness because nobody can confuse you. You will know it's an experience that nobody can remove from you. And if you have had that experience, we have to share. We have to tell others because the others who are putting their heads everywhere looking for solution, whereas the solution lies in Jesus. That's why we have to share. We have to we have to. Talk, uh, talk to others about or share your testimony. Tell, tell these people about what you have seen, what you have experienced with Jesus. It's very, very important. In fact, you don't even need to, to, to you don't even need to do much work. All you need to do when you share, Jesus knows how to do the rest. After all, when that woman told those people, they came to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, they had better. They now told the woman. Now, it's not only because of what you said, but because we have also had an experience. That is high story. That's the power of testimony. Share your testimony. If Jesus has done something in your life, you can also invite them. Come. Make recommendations. You can say, come. Come and see. Come and see. It's like um, this, uh, this person, um, Philip, when he met uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel was the one he said, just come nearer. When you come, you will see. Invite them. Make recommendations. You can also facilitate their access to Jesus. You know, there were two stories in Mark. Mark chapter 2. The first one, Mark chapter 2. You know, there was this paralyzed man. And they have heard that Jesus was passing by healing. And there was a crowd following him. His friends had to facilitate access. This one, they had to break the roof to drop Jesus. At times, that's what may, we may require to do. Facilitate access. You may not be the one to do the conversion or the healing. You may not even know what to preach. But facilitate access. The same thing with the blind Bartimaeus in chapter 10. He was crying. He heard that Jesus was crying. He was crying. People were shouting. Shut up your mouth. Shut up your mouth. But when he cried aloud, Jesus stood and said, let him come. The Bible said that some people went to him and said, the master is calling you. Come. They facilitated access. They were not the ones who did the miracle, but they facilitated access. And that's what we are called to do. Praise the Lord. Then in the area of prayer, do you know we accomplish more through prayer? But in, in, Acts, I mean, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Jesus says that the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. In verse 38, what did he say we should do? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Praying out the laborers. Praying for those who will go. Asking God to also open the door so that the gospel have access. You know, when Peter was arrested and put in the prison, 
by Herod, I think that he will stop the gospel. The Bible told us that the church prayed and there was a release of him and then a praying of uh, Herod into the, into the grave. And the Bible said, and the gospel, and the word of God continued and multiplied. Prayer. Then the other one is multiple dimensional complementary roles. When it comes to reaching out, there are different things that need to be done. Paul said that some people we plant, others we water. And Jesus said to others we gather. There are different roles that are involved. And we can see these roles if you, if you read Exodus chapter 35. What it took to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. People had different roles and different contributions to make. The same thing happens today. For example, for me, to stand before you today, somebody prayed. Somebody witnessed. Somebody talked. There was one mama like that that was inviting me as a young person with my friends to Sunday school. And Jim, Jim Engel had told us that every effort that we make to help people to move towards God, that it leads them a step upwards in knowing God. It is not that day that the person said, I received Jesus. That's not the day his journey started. Some people have been doing some things. And God gives us opportunity to do it wherever. And we must be conscious of that. We must identify which is it that God is asking us to do. Then also there are material support. We have to support those who are going. Because what Paul meant by they cannot go except they are sent. It means that you have to encourage those people who are going. And in the midst of our Lord Jesus Christ, Luke chapter 8, we are told that there were women who supported, even Jesus was supported by some women with their substances. Do you understand that? Paul talked about people, the people of Philippia, because he said in this matter of giving and receiving, Philippians chapter 4 verse there was no other church that interacted with me than you. And that's why he prayed in verse 17. He says, he told them in verse 17, what you are given goes into your account. Brothers and sisters, when we support missions, outreach, it goes into our account. It doesn't go into the account of the missionary. And that's why he said in verse uh, 19, he said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And somebody has said, if you claim that promise of Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, without fulfilling the responsibility of chapter 16, you are a spiritual 419. Yeah, because he was talking to people who were supporting. And this is true. And Paul made him to understand what you are doing is going to your own account. Praise the Lord. And people need our support. For some of the things that we have that we don't need, it will make a big difference for somebody out there. Praise the Lord. And then what of those people that are in need? For, for sake of time, I want you to read Luke chapter 14 from verse 18 on your own. It talked about those people, you know, that after the king invited them to banquet, they rejected it. But he told the disciples, go to the byways 
and the highways. Look for the lame, for the blind, for the poor. Bring them in. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, he said, this last days, he said, he will separate, when the time comes, he separate the goats from the sheep. And he will tell the sheep on the right, he said, go into my father's prepared place for you. I said, why? Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was blind and you made me to see. I was in prison, you visited me. I was naked, you clothed me. That's why I thank God for the two uh, ministries I've been shared. One from the singles and the one from um, uh, the other group. That is, that is outreach. Those things, is, that is the way we communicate the love of Jesus. Because when we do the ask, so why are you doing the, these things? And you use it to tell me it is because Jesus loves you. You even need more than this. Praise the Lord. Finally, the Lord, especially for those of you who by one reason or the other have found yourself located in some places, whether by choice or by chance. You know, Joseph, do you know how Joseph was sent as a missionary? He said he's, he was sold as a slave and he found himself in Egypt as a prisoner. But in chapter 45, Genesis 45, he now said from verse 8, he says that you did not send me here, God sent me. And that's also what God said to the Jews when they are being carried in sla- into slavery. He says, well, as you go there, seek for the peace of that place. Pray for it. That is how God, at times, he will send us deliberately. But at times, it will be by circumstances. After all, those believers found themselves in, in uh, Samaria and other places, it was not by choice. It was by circumstance. And that is how God does it. So, we should be prepared. God can relocate us for a purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying? God can relocate us for a purpose so that we can go and fulfill his purposes. But wherever we are, until he has relocated us, there's a lot for us to be doing. Be my witnesses. Talk about Jesus. And as I round up, if there's anyone like this here, you don't have this assurance. Because if you have the assurance, you can talk about it. You won't be apologetic. You won't, excuse me, I'm a Christian. No. Look, I don't need to excuse yourself. Because they, throw, they try to close the mouth of those people, but they, they say, no, we must speak what we have experienced. And what salvation gives you is boldness. He said that we receive the spirit of boldness. Huh? And if you don't have that boldness, then it means that something is lacking somewhere. And that's why I want to pray for anyone here. You are not sure that you, have, you belong to Jesus. You are not sure that, that you, have, you have been born into the family of God. You have not had that kind of experience that the Samaritan woman had. And then I pray for you. But the second one is, people are pray, are pray together about that if you would indicate, is that some of us have had the experience, but at times we are afraid. What will they say? 
I pray for you that the kind of boldness that came upon that woman of Samaria that made her to go back to the same people she was hiding away from, that the Lord will release that boldness upon you today. The boldness that made Peter go to say, to point their fingers upon those people that they ran away from. He said, it is that Jesus whom you killed, whom you crucified. There is no salvation in other man except in him. That kind of boldness should come upon us in the name of Jesus. I want us to bow down our heads. I just, if, you, if you don't have that assurance yet, that you have become a child of God. Because that as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God and the sons of God. Just raise up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Nothing else. I'm not going to call you out here. Just if you know you don't have that assurance, raise up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Because that's where it starts. If you don't, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you won't have any boldness to preach. Or to talk about it because you will talk about what you have experienced. Just like that woman. Is there any person like that that wants to make assurance? Double shot today. Just lift that hand there. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Is there no other person? Because that is what Jesus is preparing us so that we will we will we will be able to stand and witness for him, talk about him so boldly. Thank you, my sister there. Any other person? Yes, God bless you. Any other person? Because that's what, that is the beginning of it. Any other person? So that we pray, we pray that you will have that experience. And that's what Jesus, he said, you know, when, when those people were facilitated to Jesus, yeah, God bless you, my brother. Any other person? Any other person? So we can pray. Pray now, because this is the opportunity the Lord has given unto you so that you can today be assured. Thank you, my sister. Are there more people before we pray? Yeah, what we are talking about? Yes, because this is, this is where it starts and this is where it ends. Those of you who have raised up your hand, just raise it because I'm going to pray for you so that people will take note, those who will do some follow-up. Okay, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this, your sons and your daughters, O oh God, for whom you brought this message and who have had it and have opened up your hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus, according to your promise, you will receive them into your kingdom today in the name of Jesus. Because what they are saying is that they believe that Jesus died for them and that he rose up on their behalf and that, Lord, because this is how you have made it that our names will be written to the book of life. I ask in the name of Jesus, as they have, oh God, been bold enough, oh God, to signify their need for Jesus today. And because the world says that anyone that comes to him, he will not cast away. Oh Lord, receive these words and let their names be written in the book of life today in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says it is with the heart a man believes. And then we we demand the the confession is made unto salvation. And that's what they have done, Lord. If they didn't believe in their heart, they wouldn't have raised up their hands. And they are raising up their hands an indication of God that they are said, they confess today that Jesus is the Lord and the Savior of their life. Receive them into your family and give them the power to be your children in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for doing that. Thank you, Father, for doing that. In Jesus' name we pray. Then for the rest of us, I'm going to pray for us. I'm not going to ask you to indicate. Because 
if I ask a question here now about how many of us have we have witnessed to at least somebody, one person this year, will be embarrassed. Whatever it is that's keeping us from doing that, I'm going to pray that God will liberate us. Like he liberated Peter. Peter, who, when they asked him, you are one of them, he said, God forbid, where did you see me? <laughs> they, when, they, when the time came, he was bold enough to point to those people and say, it is you. That Jesus that you crucify is the same Jesus. And without him, there's no salvation. The Lord will release the same boldness to you today in the name of Jesus. So I want you to raise up your hand, everybody. Just raise up your hand there as we pray. Father, we thank you because you brought this word to us in this season so that in these days of your power we'll be willing. Father, Lord, behold your sons and your daughters in whom you have deposited your spirit and the spirit you gave us is the spirit of boldness to testify to the truth that Jesus is the Lord. And you said in these days of your power, your people shall be willing. Lord, as your sons and your daughters indicated this by raising up their hands, that we want to be willing in these days of your power. Release your power upon us afresh in the name of Jesus. Let us, oh Lord, let the spirit of boldness you have given unto us now be stirred up so that we will not close our mouth again. Because there are many people hurting. There are many people still in the value of decision. There are many people who are moving about like sheep without shepherd, who are looking for direction. Ah, help us to begin to point them to the cross in the name of Jesus. As we encounter them, oh Lord, help us to testify to them that there is somebody who can help them, and that is Jesus. Let that spirit of boldness be released upon us here today. And as you do it to us, those of us who are present here, even those who are not here today, Lord, may you cause the same spirit of boldness to rest upon them. Who are members of this church, oh God, and wherever they are, we will be standing for Jesus and testifying for him. Glory be to your holy name, Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.